0: testimonies, and that was just amazing, amen, I had several testimonies, it's amazing and awesome to see who the Lord is and what the Lord does, I, uh, I have a testimony just to the goodness of the Lord, Thursday evening, I had been at training with the fire department, I was headed home, we were in Graham, and uh, <laughs> we pulled in... The guy that I was with hadn't eaten dinner and he said he wanted food, so we pulled in Popeyes and got some food. And uh, he said, Man, you got to try this. Uh, anyway, short story is we pull out and uh, I'm driving and we're driving, we were cruising in style. We're driving the station's LTD, about a 2007, 8 Ford LTD. We're riding low, chilling. We <laughs> were riding. And I had the chicken tender in this hand. I pulled out and riding in Graham. And this car runs to the light, just doesn't even acknowledge that we're coming. So I hit the brakes. I'm driving like this, hit the brakes, Swerve. I don't know. It was just God. There's no way physically possible that car shouldn't have hit us because we're at the intersection and it turns like in front of us. I hit the brakes, and I turn, go up on the curve in the grass, come back down, and that car just takes off. And uh, so we just get on, we get on the highway and the whole time. The guy that's sitting beside me, he's just like... <laughs> and the whole time, I'm sitting there with my arm on the armrest with the chicken tender in my hand, doing this, driving. And the first thing he said is, dude, you didn't move the chicken tender. I said immediately. The first thing out of my mouth is Psalms 91:11 says He gives His angels charge over us to accompany us, defend in all our ways. To accompany and defend us in all our ways. I said, What you just saw was God giving His angels charge over us because there's absolutely no reason we shouldn't have been T-boned or T-boned them. He said, Amen. <laughs> now this is the same guy that last week I gave the testimony that he was training a new guy that got in the his truck, and the first thing the guy said to him, it says, are you covered in the blood of the lamb? And he was like, really? At five o'clock in the morning, the first thing you asked me is, am I covered in the blood of the lamb? The same guy, that was uh, last week, this week, we were, and he just all the way, he closed, his, he had a box of chicken and fries. He closed his box of chicken. He said, I can't eat right now. <laughs> I just kept eating my chicken tender because I wasn't, I wasn't, worked up or anything. I just knew that was God. He said, bro, you drove like a boss. I said, no, that was God giving his angels charge over us. I was there the next day, and I could see the skid marks. It was raining. I could see the skid marks on the road where I skid, hit the curb, didn't bust a tire. Didn't. The only way you could tell it even happened is we got back to the station, and there was a little piece of grass hanging out of the front bumper. I pulled it out and threw it in the trash can and said, we're all good. We're all good, but to the goodness of the Lord, and every morning, I declare that over, over myself and my wife and my, chi- my children, my child and my son-in-law. I make that declaration, God, I thank you that you said you give your angels charge over us concerning us in all our ways. So I declare that we'll go throughout this day without accident, incident, or harm. No evil, no sickness, no disease will come nigh our dwelling. That's our body. That's our home. I make that declaration before we walk out of the house every morning. I told that to this man. I said, man, that was God. That's all that was. That was the hand of God. He said, you, all I can say is amen. There's no reason we shouldn't have been in an accident right there. But God. But God. Amen? That's who he is, and he's worthy. Dad, come on down. For those who don't know, this is my pop.
1: I just want to give a testimony goodness of God he was, as he was talking about. I don't know well, all of you know, but my wife yesterday was in the hospital. thought she was having a heart attack. And doctors said that they didn't rule it out that she didn't have one. But just to show you how God is in control, if she had been with me, she would have talked me into taking her on home and letting her eat some roll eggs or whatever. But God had everything under control because He had her with Todd, and t- Todd said he knew something was wrong with her because she's quiet and she ain't ever quiet. She's <laughs> <eight. laughs> always.
0: He could that, say that.
1: But uh, and Todd knew that something was wrong, so he he just turned around, and took her right on to the hospital, and uh, the devil just thought he had everything under control, but he he didn't know it. God had great plans for her, and He's not Amen. finished with her yet. Amen. She's a blessing to me, and to so many others too. And I love her so much. <laughs> and I just thank God for her, and I thank God for bringing her through.
0: Amen. <laughs> this is my mom. You walk better without the boot. We got to get rid of the boot.
2: I just want to add a little bit to that. When we went, I told Todd, I said, I'll go to the walk-in clinic. So I got to the walk-in, we went to the walk-in clinic, and she took me right to try. Triage. Triage. And there was a lot of sick people in there. And so me and Todd, we sit in there, and she come in, and she said. Um,
0: she, What's your symptoms? What's she said, going? what
2: are your symptoms? And I told her. And then she said, um, we're gonna, I'm going to contact the." cardiologist and see what they want to do so she come back and she says we're going to take you to the emergency room I was, said I don't want to go to the emergency room but I went and we went right in they were having trouble with the computer when we got there we had been there long and they took me right on in they took blood and all that stuff they do and then they put me in a room and we, I had a little PA who was, I have to tell you about them about my experience I had a little PA, and he said, uh, what is your pain level? I said, I don't have any. He said, what was it before? I said, about a nine. And uh, he said, you have shortness of breath? I said, no. And he said, when did the pain go away? I said, when my son prayed for me. <laughs> and he said, when your son prayed for you? I said, yes. So he came back in. He went out and came back in, and he said, um, the doctor being in a little bit, but I would like to have some of your son's prayers. I said, what's your name? He said, "Emory Edwards. I said, I'll always remember you. And I said, we'll lift up prayers for you. Now this was my chance to be one on. After. So then I told him, I said, I got to get out of here because I got to go to a wedding tomorrow. <laughs> and, they <laughs> and they said, well, we'll see. So the doctor comes in. My blood pressure was like 139 over 70 something. The doctor comes in and says, well, I'm going to keep you. Well, my blood pressure shot up to 185 over 100 and something. (laughs) Because I hadn't stayed overnight in the hospital in 24 years. So I looked at Frank. And Todd, he had a rehearsal, so he had to go. And then Frank had to go. And then my son came in. And at this time, he come in. That's my oldest son, Kenny. He hadn't been here. But um, we're praying for that, too. But anyway, he came in. You're awesome, He talked to me, and he said... By the time he left, it was 1 139 over something, 70 or something. And then they, uh, this other doctor comes in. I couldn't understand the word she was saying, but she was admitting me. <laughs> so take me upstairs, and then I have all these wonderful nurses, and they've already called from downstairs saying I had to be out the next day because I had a wedding to go to. <laughs> so to make this it, story, it's long, but I can make it shorter. So, um, um, and I had wonderful nurses. And when they came, um, everyone, even the... Our nurses' aides and all the others, they were, we're going to get you out of here. So yesterday, I was still in the hospital, and um, the doctor came in, the resident doctor came in, and she said, Well, I can't let you go. Well, by this time, I'm upset. Todd's there, Frank's there. and
0: She got over into the flesh. <laughs> <laughs> there wasn't no spirit there. Yeah,
2: there well, wasn't no spirit there. <laughs> but anyway, uh, they, uh, she told me she was going to. Contact and she came in early. Most doctors, you wait. Resident doctors, you wait all day till they come in, or half a day. She came in and she said, "I will contact a cardiologist." Within 30 minutes, we, I had the sweetest little nurse. She said, "Well, she's contacted the cardiologist and he'll be in as soon as he gets through, you know, round." He came in right behind her, and I was out of the hospital by 11:30 yesterday.
1: <laughs> Amen.
0: And at the wedding last night, yeah. But the thing that's so cool about that, and the Lord really encouraged me through her as uh, cuz she cut my hair Friday morning and I could tell something was wrong, like Dad said, and she was quiet. And uh so we got in the car, said, I'm gonna I gotta do some running, I'll be right back and then I'm gonna take you to the doctor, to the uh wherever you wanna go, whatever and she said No, I said, yes. So we got in the Jeep, and as soon as we did, I didn't pray, and I'm not doing this to correct her. I didn't pray. He said, you'll lay hands on the sick, and they'll recover. So I just put my hand on her shoulder, and I said, pain, you've got to go. Whatever's going on in here, you've got to stop in Jesus' name. That's what we did. We just did what Jesus said to do. He said, this is what you'll do, and that's what we did. And the pain, we were riding down the road, and she said, it's gone. She said, the pain's gone. I said, hallelujah. I said, that's awesome. So we kept riding on but she was still quiet, and that's not Mama Mom <laughs> at all. She's not quiet. And uh, so we were riding down the road, and I, she was trying to get me to take her home. She said, there's no pain. I'm okay. Just let's, let me go home, and I'll rest. And, but I just really felt I'm going to go get her checked out. So I took her, took her to the—we were headed there, and she said, well, they might be closed. It's right at lunchtime. And I said, we're going. She said, well, maybe I should call. I said, if you'll feel better, call but we're going, and so we get there, and there there was just amazing favor, but we're sitting in that room when that little nurse came in at the walk-in, and uh, this is, I just honor the Lord, this had nothing to do with me, it's the Lord, and, and what God did when we're just willing to be a mouthpiece, so we're sitting there, and she's asking mom about her symptoms and things like that, and she's not wanting to tell, she's smart, that's a smart woman. And she knows if she tells what's really going on, they're going to want to keep her or send her over to the hospital. So she's not going to lie, but she's not going to give all the information either. Are you tracking? So she starts telling, and I'm not exaggerating. The Lord spoke to my heart and said, fatigue. She hadn't said to me she was fatigued or anything like that. And I looked at the nurse, and I said, and she's had fatigue. And Mom looked at me (laughs) and looked back at the nurse, and the nurse didn't She looked at, mom said, How long have you had fatigue? And mom looked back at the nurse and said, About a week. (laughs) And she left. Mom said, How'd you know I have fatigue? I said, The Lord. (laughs) The Lord told me you have fatigue. That's how good He is. And so, but the thing that's so amazing is every time someone would come in and they would ask her, When did your pain stop? When He prayed for me. And the doctors would just look at her, Okay, well, where are you now? I have no pain. I mean everybody that came in, every nurse, if she would say, God touched me. That's what she would say. God touched me. I don't need to be here. God touched me. And I told her, I said, I think God did touch you. I don't think. I know God touched you. The reason the levels were up, she had some enzyme levels up. I said they were up because something happened, but God healed it. So they don't have an answer to what shows up after it happens. They just know this is what could have happened. But she was it was it was done. And it was over. And the cardiologist came in yesterday morning, and he said, all right, well, what I want you to do is walk around some and just see if you have any pain or anything like that. My mom, in the past 10 to 15 years that I've been with her, she has not walked this fast. Is she walked around that nurse's station, chatting, talking the whole time. Mom was back, and she was dragging Dad and I around it. We walked two times. You want to do it again? Yep, we walked three times. We got to the fourth time. She said, well, we can go back to room. I said, no, we're going to walk one more time. So she walked, just burnt a lap up, went back in there and sat down, and the doctor came in about five minutes later. Hey, I'm good. No pain, no problem. I'm good. Everything's good. And uh, every, like she said, the nurse, the, the uh, nurse assistants that came in, we're doing our best to get you out of here. I, I mean, it was amazing the favor that she had from the time we got there on uh, Thursday, uh, Friday, until until she got out of there. It was just favor, but it was amazing. What was so refreshing and awesome to me is she would, if she had a hot minute, she was telling him, God touched me. God touched me. I don't have any pain. God healed me. That's who he is. He's worthy of that. That's what that's about. It's not about me or her. It's about him. He's worthy. And when we have opportunity, like I said, that little uh, PA, that guy, I don't know, little, I never saw him. I was gone before he got there. But the PA that, that she just shared, my pain left when, When God came in. And he said, I need that. Come on. That's why he's worthy. He's worthy of our testimony. He's worthy of our adoration. He's worthy of our uh, sharing who he is. She didn't have to preach a message. She didn't have to break down the gospels to the PA. She just said, here's who Jesus is. And he said, huh, that's real. (laughs) That's what we have to do. That's living uh, a life that brings honor to the Lord. So that just really encouraged me. I, I uh, didn't ask her if she would share. I just kind of figured she would. But uh, it's awesome to see the Lord at work. That's what the world is looking for. They're, they're looking for a, a Lord at work, a God who's alive and, and moving in the hearts and lives of people. Not just spiritually that, man, I feel better. Emotionally, I feel better. And the Lord is just so good. If we're just looking for opportunities, he'll present himself. We were getting on the elevator uh, Friday night. And I saw a guy I haven't seen since back in the day. <laughs> back in the day when I wasn't a preacher. <laughs> uh, and uh, he's, he told me about a guy that I ran around with back in the day. And it was a guy when, we, when I was into drugs pretty heavy, I was in drugs with this guy pretty heavy uh, to the place where there were times I don't know how I got home and I was the one driving. And this is the guy that I was running around with when that was going on. And he said he's in the hospital and he's got stage 3 cancer. He said he's on the other wing over there. And he said he just found out. So yesterday when I left Mom's room, I went over and knocked on the door and he was there. And actually his wife is a girl that I went to school with and uh, didn't even realize it. We had an opportunity to go in and minister to him. And pray with him. And uh, see, there's always divine appointments. And I did the same thing there. I haven't heard any reports, but I just spoke to cancer. And he was in, he's in a bad way. This guy's uh, probably Ben's height and was Ben's size the last time I saw him. And now he's 119 pounds. Uh, so I'm expecting him to blow up like a balloon. Because he's healthy. Amen? So that's just who God is. And those are opportunities we get. Uh, And they'll present themselves different ways. All we have to do is be obedient to walk them out. Amen. So uh, I want to continue a little bit. Absolutely. Certainly.
3: This is something the Lord showed me um, earlier in the week. Um, something I asked him to show him, but it's just going long, right, with what, what's going on. Um, I was asking the Lord the other day just what it is or what I'm doing in my life right now. I feel alive but stagnant, that the things I am doing do not always feel like it is impacting his kingdom. Sure, I know that when I pray for specific things, it helps the person or situation to be heard in heaven and that god honors it and it helps me in my everyday life come on lord what is it that i am doing sure i pray i talk with you i worship you in song and words i pray in the spirit i read your word in other books i do my bible study and i talk with people about what i have read what you have done in my and what you have done in life i share that my hmm i share that my hope is in you and not the things of the world. I just live my life. Am I really impacting your kingdom in any way? Jeanette, Todd, you're all just living your life. I mean, this this thing is coming. And this is what he said to me. During this season, when you are reading more, absorbing more, you are filling your seed bucket. In your everyday life, as you share with others, it is, um, if it be prayers they know nothing about, prayers in the spirit, prayers you pray with them or when you share words of encouragement, kindness, gentleness, wisdom, or love, acts of kindness or service, you are taking the seeds out of your seed bucket and planting them. Come on. One by one they grow. Some grow quickly and some are set there to fertilize, but they grow as I water them, as God waters them. Then they are picked and handed to me. That is an offering from you to me. So yes, you are impacting my kingdom in your everyday life. And then, of course, my God is awesome. He shows me a picture. (laughs) He doesn't just tell me these words. He shows me pictures. And I wish I could paint and (laughs) show it. (laughs) But as Jesus was talking to me, I saw a field that was very green. There were daisies. Okay, daisies are one of my favorite um, flowers. They're simple, but they're beautiful. I saw words coming from my mouth and landing in the field. Daisies would grow from them and then I saw hands picking the daisies, maybe mine, maybe somebody else's, but the hands picked a lot of daisies and handed them heavenward, and then I saw Jesus' hands reaching down and taking this huge bouquet of daisies. He had a big smile on his face, and he said, thank you. It was so beautiful. Amen. So, in our everyday life, if we're just telling people I got, my pain stopped when, when my son prayed for me, you yeah. know, or, yeah. hey, you're having a good day, or, you know, he smiled or something, just these little things, because sometimes I think, people think you have to do humongous things, but right. God just showed me, and I shared with you, it's not always the big things, it's the little that's things, right. we're all impacting his kingdom, if you're staying in tune with him.
0: Yeah, that's good, <laughs> that's so good. Amen. <laughs> He's good. You know, what's so awesome about that? I was getting ready to say last week and the past couple of weeks, I've talked a little bit about uh, the offerings uh, in Leviticus, the free will offerings in Leviticus 1 through 3, and uh, mentioned the Thanksgiving offering, but um, the peace offering, the burnt offering is, is this, it's made of, it, it had to be not made, it was an animal, it had to be a spotless male for the burnt offering and uh, it's giving. A, it's a form of devotion. It's saying, "God, I offer this out of my devotion to you." That was what the offering was. It was a free will offering. Free will is what—not God saying you have to, or it has to that you have to do it this often. It's as often as you feel led to go and give this free will offering. And the thing that takes place in this offering is as you place your hands, because if you bring the offering, I know this doesn't sound warm and fuzzy. But when you bring the offering, you kill the offering. And it's done at the tabernacle door. And, uh, and so when you lay hands on the animal, what takes place is the innocence of the animal is transferred to you. Isn't that beautiful? It's a free will offering. Whenever they wanted to do it, they could do it. And my thinking is this. Well, you know, the natural goes, man, it cost them something. They had to give up a spotless animal. Yeah, but look what they got. Huh? <laughs> Look what they got. They got the innocence of the the lamb placed upon them so that when they walked out, it was like, yeah, I gave a lamb, but look what I got. I got the peace in the presence of God everywhere I go. I would have the lamb in the house running around uh, in the field, but now I have the peace and presence of God. And it was something I did just as a free will offering to him. And it had to be burnt, all of it. Every bit of it had to go, not just part of it, not what was convenient. Every bit of it went to the Lord. Every bit of it. And I, and I thought about that and I go, God, that's what you ask of us is that burnt offering that, that we bring it out of our free will. And we go, God, here's every bit of it. I give it to you. And it, it's, uh, it, it's him saying, yes, I accept your free will offering. Now, we don't have to bring a lamb anymore. We have a lamb. His name is Jesus. He was spotless and he came so that we could be like the lamb which is on fire for him. And you know what? That looks differently. On fire for him, for Ben, when he's on the mission field and stuff like that, he's an evangelist. He's up front he's sharing. On fire for Ben here is when he has opportunities. He's got testimonies. When he was not the CEO of a company, but when he was uh, an installer for the company, and he would go in and he would pray for people. To Even to the place where his dad and others thought he was crazy because he would go to install a satellite and pray for people. But, but. When people started getting healed, no one thought he was crazy anymore. People wanted him to pray for them. <laughs> you know what he was? He was a burnt offering. He said, God, here's every bit of it. I'm consumed by you. And, and that looks differently for every person. The lambs weren't identical. They weren't uh, genetically modified lambs that they all looked the same. They all looked different, but they were an offering to him. The second one that they would bring is a meal offering, and it would be brought after the burnt offering. The meal offering was uh, bread. It, was cooked, it could be cooked four different ways. It ha- couldn't have leaven. Leaven was a type of sin. It couldn't have leaven in it. And it was, to, uh, it was also burnt on the offering, on the altar. And what the bread represented is our ministry to others. Because the bread, they had to go in and get the, the lamb. All they did is own the lamb. You with me? The bread, they had to make. Are you tracking with me? The lead, they had to grow the, the grain They had to process the grain, then they had to make the bread, and then take the bread. And it shows not us working for God, just us working from what God's already given. Are you tracking with me? And that goes perfectly with what the testimonies we've heard this morning, that your grain offering may look different than mine. But what it is saying is, God, here's what you've put in my hands, and I'm going to be faithful to use it for you. I'm going to be faithful to take what you've placed in my hands and use it for you. And then the last one was the peace offering or thanksgiving offering. And that's the one we talked about a little bit last week. And in that one, everyone got a part. That's what's so awesome. In that one, the, uh, the, the fat, which talked about the richness, which talked about the abundance, the fat uh, went to the Lord and the, the shoulder went to the priest and the other went to the people who offered it. And what's beautiful about that, it's even a type of communion because everyone feasted at the Lord's table with that peace offering, with that thanksgiving offering, with that fellowship offering. All those names are attributed to that same offering. It's peace, it's thanksgiving, it's fellowship because that's what takes place when we go, God, just out of my free will, I want you to know I love you. And the Bible says that those offerings, those three offerings, there's two more that's mentioned. There's the, trust, the sin offering and the trespass offering. That's where you would take a lamb for the sin offering, and you would lay your hands on the lamb. You would kill the lamb, and your sin was transferred to the lamb, and it, was, it would pay the price for your sin. That was the sin offering and the trespass offering. Neither of those offerings were called, a, uh, had the name or the accolade of a sweet-smelling savor before the Lord. You know why? Because they dealt with sin. You know what else? They had to be done outside the camp. They couldn't be done in the camp. The freewill offerings were done at the place of worship because we're just saying, God, here I am. Sin was dealt with outside the camp. That's why Jesus was crucified outside of Israel, right outside the city wall. I've been there. It was right outside the city wall because that's where sin was dealt with. But what I want to... What's in my heart today is a fragrant offering. Because it says in Ephesians, we read this the other week in Ephesians, we've read it several times. One and two, it says, Therefore be imitators of God as dear children. Walk in love as Christ also loved us and has given himself for us, an offering and sacrifice to God for a sweet-smelling aroma. What does that say? There's so much in that one sentence because it says this, that Jesus was a freewill offering to the Father. He didn't go because he had to. He he went because he chose to. He went because he wanted relationship between us and the Father restored. And he knew there was only one way. And that was for him to come and offer his sinless life on the cross for us to pay for our sin. So he was the burnt offering. He was the grain offering. Jesus went about what? Doing good, healing all that were oppressed of the devil. So he, he was a grain offering. He, everywhere he went, he was offering himself up freely, giving himself to people, right? And he was that peace offering, that thanksgiving offering, that fellowship offering that is he gave his body so that we, even when he instituted communion and uh, the Lord's table, he said, This is my body which is broken for you. Eat of it. This is my blood that was shed for you. Drink of it. And as oft as you do, you proclaim my death. My victory over sin, sickness, and disease until I come. Come on. He's our, he's our offering. He's our offering. But in that, the Lord took me back to Romans 12, and I, I use 12 a lot. But I want to go into Romans 11 first, the last part of 11, because uh, when Paul wrote it, he didn't write it in chapters. Are you with me? So Romans eleven twenty eight. 28 uh, and I'm jumping in on the end of something he's talking about. or the, He's changing this uh, thought right here, and he's talking about the Jews. He said in verse 28 of Romans 11, I'm going to read from the Passion Translation. If you don't have it, get it. The easiest way to get it is digital download. You can get it on Amazon. And you, if, you, if you have any kind of electronic device, you can get a free Kindle app, and you can read it. And if you want to buy the books, you can buy them. I don't know how easy they're to find in the store. You can find them uh, online and order them but uh, I love them digital because I take them everywhere I go but this is the passion translation verse 28 now many of the Jews are opposed to the gospel but their opposition has opened the door of the gospel to you who are not Jewish and that's sobering and that's a, that's a so such a blessing that to know that he said because they rejected it God opened the door for you but listen to what he went on to say. Yet they are still greatly loved by God because their ancestors were divinely chosen to be his. And when God chooses someone and graciously imparts a gifts to him, they are not rescinded. Romans eleven twenty eight. 28. We say it all the time. I said it earlier today. The gifts and callings of God are without repentance. So they're not rescinded. They're not broken back. What does that mean? (laughs) What that means is in this room, every person in this room has a gift. Every person in this room has a gift. Not just in this room. Every person in the world has a gift. You know what? Those people who are out in society today cursing God, denying God, you know what? God put a gift on the inside of them. Amen. God put a gift on the inside of them. That doesn't mean that they're using it for his glory. I, I'm a firm believer, and <clears throat> I believe this tautology, okay, and I believe it bears witness in Scripture. I believe all the gifted musicians we have on American Idol, whatever, no matter how they're using their talent, that's a gift from God. No, they're not stewarding it for God, but it's a gift that God placed on the inside of them. I believe that these uh, soothsayers that you can call up on the phone and get your fortune told, or you can I, that's a gift from God they're twisting it and they they're, they're tu- tuning into a different spirit not god but god put on them a sensitivity to the spirit and they can hear in the spirit realm but they're they're open up to demonic because they don't have the spirit of life on the inside of them so all they hear is death and they can tell you all about your past and they can manipulate your future They can't predict your future. They can manipulate it. They they can tell you enough about your past because the demonic was there. Don't shout me down. I'm telling truth. But it's a gift. It's a gift. These gifts. He said when God, when when a person comes into creation, when they're born, there's a gift placed on the inside of them. There's a gift, and when those gifts aren't used, it's not like God says, well, let me get that one back, and I'll give it over here. That's not who he is. He's bigger than that, but he gives us opportunity, and that's why you see people who who come into the kingdom, and they get turned on to God, and and they just, you've seen some people just come alive, and, and God start using them in a supernatural way, and you can see in the church, people get jealous. You know why? Because they recognized the gift on the inside of them. And they started using it, and it cost them something, but they were willing to pay the price to use the gift that God placed on the inside of them. And those who aren't willing to pay the price get jealous. And they'll talk about them, and they'll try to tear them down, and they'll try to make them look small so they can feel big so they don't have to change the way they're living. It's so amazing, Chris, that what what you said there. Because this week, uh, today, this morning, I was spending time with the Lord, and I said to the Lord, "God, I feel like I'm stuck. I I am. My life is revolved around the Lord and doing things with the Lord, talking to people, meeting with people, ministering to people all the time, all the time. That's what I do. And and I." I saw just a snapshot of my life of how busy I've been doing that and how little I've just been in relationship with him. Now don't get me wrong. I do devotionals every morning. I listen to teaching all the time. I listen to it every morning. I listen to it throughout the day. But just me, him, intimacy, one-on-one, me just saying, Jesus, I want to spend time with you. It's easy to let that wane. And that's where life comes from. That's where purpose and power comes from, It's the time that we spend with him. I don't care how much you get from someone else's revelation. It's God saying, I want to talk to you one-on-one. I want to speak to you one-on-one because there's stuff I want to say to you that they may hear, but that'll be their revelation, not your revelation. And I'm bigger than that. And that was why when I was in worship, before we started singing that song, the last one, about nothing holding on or whatever. Yeah, whoop, whoop. Whatever it was, the Lord just said, "Open your hands, Todd. Let it go. Let all of it go. Let the church go. Let you go. Let it all go. And you just fall back in love with me again, passionately." Please understand. I haven't been in sin. You understand? I'm not looking at pornography. I'm not doing anything. I've just been not spending time with Him like I should. Does that make sense? I want you to understand. I'm not condemned. I'm compelled because he's so good. He's so good. And he said here, the gifts and the cause of God are without repentance. He, he's saying, I've played, they're not rescinded. I've placed stuff on the inside of you. And as you offer that back up to me, in what? In that peace offering, that free will offering that says, God, I don't have to do this. I get to do this. As you do, it's a sweet-smelling savor to me. And we all partake. We're all in koinonia, fellowship, partnership, we're all doing something. Verse 29, uh, that's what I just read, 1129. Verse 30 says this, you who are not Jews were once rebels against God, but now because of their disobedience, you have experienced God's tender mercies. And now they are rebels. Listen, and because of God's tender mercies to you, Look at this. This is so good. Because of God's tender mercies to you, you can open the door to them to share in and enjoy what God has given to us. So he's saying to us Gentiles, he's saying because God has shown his mercy so much on you, you're a light to the Jews. And you can open the door of his grace and his goodness when you just share who you are. Just like mom saying, I, my pain left when God touched me. And God touched me. My pain left. You know what you're doing? You're cutting on a light. You're cutting on a light in people who may say, I don't believe in God. It was uh, it's amazing. Uh, yesterday at the wedding, after we got finished, this uh, gentleman came up to me at the end. He, uh, his name was Mark Meekham. He's from uh, Birmingham, Alabama. He's a pastor. And he said, uh, you know, he asked me about myself, and I started talking about uh, my journey of faith, and he just starts smiling and, and everything like that. And he said, man, I had a similar walk with the Lord, grew, come out of the same kind of background and thing. We just started talking about the Lord and, and talking about who God is and what He wants to be to us and in us and through us, not the preachers, but the people. And he said, he had this young man in the ninth grade come to his church. And uh, uh, I, I don't remember, it was a meeting they were having, and this guy came, I don't know if he came with a friend or what, but he came and he said he was a proclaimed atheist when he came. And he said, this person prayed for me. And he said, when they prayed for me, because he asked him, he said, so when did you get turned on to God? He said, I came here, I came to a meeting, and I came as an atheist, didn't believe in God. And uh, he said, this man came up to me and he prayed for me, and he said, when he put his hand on me, I saw God. He said, wait a minute, what do you mean, I saw God? He said, when he put his hand on me, I opened my eyes. And he said, I saw a bigger hand on top of his hand lying there on top of his hand. And when he touched me, I felt the power of God hit me. And he said, God's real. He said, I got born again right then. I asked God to come into my heart and save me. When he saw God, he was an unbeliever, an atheist, and he met God. You know why? Someone was willing to use their gift to just pray for him in obedience and bam, just like that, this kid turned on for God. He said, I saw God. I saw his hand. It's big. I'm like, come on, Jesus. That's him. That's him. Uh, so we have the opportunity to be that light. That's what Corinthians, i uh, trying to not get ahead of myself. Slow down. When I get excited, I talk fast Verse 32, actually, God considers all of humanity to be prisoners of their unbelief. Isn't that amazing? He said, God considers all of humanity prisoners of their unbelief so that that He can unlock our hearts and show His tender mercies to all who come to Him. Who could ever wrap their minds around the riches of God, the depth of His wisdom and marvel of His perfect knowledge? Who could ever explain the wonder of His decisions or search out the mysterious way he carries out his plans? Verse 34. For who has discovered how the Lord thinks or is as wise or is wise enough to be the one to advise him in his plans? Verse 35. Or who has ever first given something to God that obligates God to owe him something in return? <laughs> That's awesome. He said, What Paul's just calling them to where the rubber meets the road. He said, who has ever given to God first so that God owes them something? No one. Because God loved so much, he gave before they ever gave anything in return. The lamb was slain before the foundation of the world. But Jesus didn't die until 2,000 years ago. In the mind of God, he said, I'm going to put them... On the the earth, I'm going to give them a garden. And of every tree, they can freely eat except one. It's holy to me. But they're going to eat of that tree. So before I even create them, I've got a plan. So there's nothing we can do before God. Because he was here before us. And he was already at work. Come on. And you know what? In our lives, if there's something contradictory going on in your life right now, guess who's already at work? Uh, Jesus, God, Holy Spirit, they're all the same person. Yes. They're at work in our lives. When we don't understand, He's already at work and He's saying, All I need you to do is partner with me. I'm here, I'm working, just partner with. Me. And because God is the source and sustainer of everything, everything finds fulfillment in Him. May all praise and honor be given to Him forever. Amen. <laughs> That's what Paul said. May all praise and honor be given to Him forever. Amen. That settles it all. Who's it go to? It goes to Him forever. Amen. Then he goes into verse 12. I mean, chapter 12, verse 1. So that's how he ends uh, our chapter 11. May all praise and honor be given to him forever. Amen. Why? Because he's given gifts to us, right? And he doesn't rescind them. He doesn't take them back. He said, I've given you these gifts. I've already placed them in there. He said, there's nothing you can do before him. He's already ahead of you. So he said, because of these things, we need to just slow down, take a minute and acknowledge who he is. And because of that, when we do, he says, all praise and honor be given him forever in our lives, because we'll stop for just a moment and go, wait a minute, he's worthy. He's worthy. He's worthy. And then he goes into chapter 12, and he says, beloved friends, what should be our proper response to God's marvelous mercies? So that's why I wanted to read chapter 11, the last part of chapter 11, because uh, <clears throat> Romans 12, and the uh, King James, new King James says, I beseech you, therefore, brothers, by the mercies of God. So that's the king's English, and we're not in the king's court. We's well, in America, Gibsonville, America, the beautiful. He said, "Beloved friends, what should be our proper response to God's marvelous mercies? Isn't that beautiful? I encourage you to surrender yourselves to God to be His sacred living sacrifices, and live in holiness, experiencing all the delight all that delights His heart. For this becomes your genuine expression of worship. For this becomes your genuine expression of worship. Stop imitating the ideals and opinions of the culture around you, but be inwardly transformed by the Holy Spirit through a total reformation of how you think. This will empower you to discern God's will as you live a beautiful life, satisfying and perfect in His eyes. Your proper role in the body of Christ. Your what? Your proper role in the body of Christ. He said, what should be our proper response to God's marvelous mercies? I encourage you to surrender yourselves to God to be his sacred living sacrifice, his set-apart living sacrifice, a life in, and live in holiness. Why? Why holiness? To be a pleasing and approved by God? Nope. Why? So that we can delight in everything he has for us. He said, you don't, we don't live in holiness to please God. There's nothing we can do. If it was, Jesus died in vain. Our works don't produce holiness any more than uh, Jesus did anything to become sin. Are you with me? Jesus didn't do a work to become sin. Our sin was placed upon him. In the same way, we become holy. Ephesians says, we've been born again in true righteousness and holiness. It comes not by how good we are how well we act. It comes through him." cleansing us and becoming sin for us, and us, that transfer, becoming righteousness in his eyes. That we're that sweet savor before the Lord. And as we live holy, as we live set apart, as we live for him, in intimacy with him, we experience all that delights his heart. He's got a big heart. I believe there's a lot in his heart that he desires to delight in over us when we'll give ourselves to him. Let me see. I'm running out of time. I'm going to jump down to. Now I'm just going to read. God has given us uh, this grace. God has given me grace to speak a warning about pride. I would ask each of you to be emptied of self promotion and not create a false image of your importance. <laughs> Help me, Jesus. Instead, honestly assess your worth by using your God-given faith as a standard of measurement, and then you will see your true value with an appropriate self-esteem. He said, you know, and I believe this, as I was looking at this, the Bible says pride goes before destruction and a haughty spirit before a fall. I think, as I was reading this, the thing the Lord spoke to my heart is offense, the, the, the seat, the root of every offense is pride. Hear me out. Because in it, if you're offended, it's where you thought many times, not every time, sometimes people just hurt you because they're mean. But many times that we get offended because we are expecting to be treated a way that we didn't get treated in a relationship or whatever. And so what we do is we take an offense. And the word offense there is scandalon, and it literally means trap. It's the No, it's not trap. It's the bait inside of a trap like you would bait an animal to trap it. You put bait inside the trap, that's scandal on. And that's the word where it talks about offense. That's what an offense is. It's a trap. And you're going to get caught because you took the bait. But he said it, it comes through pride. Don't don't uh, have a false image instead. And how did he say that you measure it? You measure it through the faith that God has given you. Am I operating? What does that mean? That means this. Am I operating? 1 Corinthians says this, it's not wise to measure. He said, they measure themselves against themselves are not wise. So what he's saying is this, if I look at, at Steve and I measure my faith against Steve's faith, I'm out of the will of God because now I'm not looking at my faith and what God's placed in me and how I'm walking out what God has said to me. I'm looking at what Steve's doing and wonder, am I doing as much as Steve? Or I'll get in pride and say, well, I did more than Steve. So my eyes aren't on him. I'm not evaluating my worth based on who God says I am through faith. I'm based on what I see other people doing. And in that, I'll either debase myself and feel I'm not good enough, or either I'll uh, lift myself up and go, I'm better than that. I should have a better place than they have. Isn't that good? that's right from the Word. That's not me adding to. That's just straight from the Word. Then he gets into verse 4. In the human body, there are many parts and organs, each with a unique function. And so it is in the body of Christ. For though we are many, we've all been mingled into one body in Christ. This means that we all are vitally joined to one another with each contributing to the others. God's marvelous grace imparts to one of us varying gifts and ministries that are uniquely ours. So if God has given you the grace, gift of prophecy, and he goes through it, I'm not going to read all that, but he said God has given to every one of us God's marvelous grace imparts to each one of us varying gifts and ministries that are uniquely ours. And he he equates that to the body, and he said it's important that the whole body functions properly. You know what? In this physical body, when something doesn't function properly, you know it. It can be little, and we've given the illustration before. You walk through the night, uh, through the room and, at night, and somebody puts something down that where it's not supposed to be, and your little piggies are hanging out, and you catch that wee little piggy, you know, the one all the way on this side, that little bitty one. You catch it on something walking through the house, it'll make you do the Holy Ghost hop. <laughs> and speak in tongues, even if you ain't spirit filled. <laughs> and you know what? That little member that you thought nothing about earlier in the day when you were walking around, because it was tucked nicely away inside your shoe, all cold, cozy and warm. I'll just leave it alone and it was functioning like it was supposed to function, not drawing any attention to itself, but now you did something, and it's, it's screaming for attention. And you know what? The rest of your big old body will make adjustment for that little bitty toe, because it's attached, and it may have seemed insignificant earlier in the day, but right now, when you're trying to go back to sleep and it's going, your heart's not beating in your chest, it's beating in your little toe. You know what I'm talking about? How in the world did my heart fit in my tiny toe? Because every time it beats, it throbs. You, been there? you know what I'm talking about? Yeah, you do. Hallelujah to the Lamb. You know that there's significance in that body, in that little bitty part. And the same thing, if we took that same care in the body, not, and I'm not just talking about inside the river. I'm talking about The body the church, God's body. And we began to love because he said, by this shall all men know you're my disciples if you have love one for another. If we love across denominational lines, we love across uh, racial lines, and we just become Jesus in this world. He said, I've placed a gift in you. And you know how that gift is seen? When we give it to him. When we say, God, I acknowledge this is yours, and I want to steward it. I want to steward it well. So I'm going to give it back to you. And I'll close with this passage right here, 2 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 14. I'm going to read uh, just a couple of verses here, and I'll close. Now, thanks be to God who always leads us in triumph in Christ. Come on. That's a good way to start, right? Now, thanks be to God who always leads us in triumph in Christ and through us diffuses the fragrance of his knowledge in every place. What have we been talking about? We've been talking about a sacrifice, a free will offering of ourselves to God to say, God, I'm not going after this for a position or a promotion. I'm going after it because I want to diffuse the fragrance of Christ. You know where that's important? Everywhere. Just say you go in your workplace. Come on. You go in your workplace and you say, God, here, I want to be a fragrance of Christ. I want to diffuse you, Jesus, in this place. So what I, how do I do that? How, do I quit working and start preaching? No. How I do that is I live the gospel in front of the people. And what does that look like? That means I do my best at whatever I'm doing. I think you ought to be able to walk in an establishment and find out the Christians without asking, are you saved or are you not saved? How? They ought to be the ones that shine bright. They ought to be the ones that their name's on the board for the awards because they're there and they're outperforming, not so they can get a promotion, but because they're doing it as unto the Lord and not unto man. Now, men don't always recognize it, but you'll see, you'll be seen. I promise you, whether man ever gives you the promotion or the accolades or not, you'll stand out and you'll shine, and everybody will know who you are. They'll know who you are. Why? Because you're doing it as unto the Lord. And you know what you are? You're a saver. People go, man, there's something different about them. There's something different. Listen, and through us diffuses the fragrance of his knowledge in every place. For we are to God the fragrance of Christ. He said, here's what we are. To God, we're the fragrance of Christ. So when we go about just being who he's called us to be, we're diffusing the fragrance of Christ to the Lord. It doesn't matter what other people smell or what other people think. They may not like you. Jesus said, they didn't like me. Don't think they're going to love you. <laughs> Help me, Lord. Some will, some won't. How can you say that? Look at the way he goes on to say. Among those who are being saved and among those who are perishing. To the one, we are the aroma of death leading to death. And to the other, the aroma of life leading to life. He said, you... All right. In a sense, he said, you smell. But you smell good. Because when God smells you, you smell like Jesus. That everywhere you go, you give off the fragrance of Jesus. And as we give off the fragrance of Jesus, just as when he was here, to some, it's an invitation to life. And it smells better than the a filet mignon cooked just right, the smell rolling down there. Or for your vegeta- the vegetables grill just right and you smell I go back to the steak that filet mignon and the smell just wafts through you you know you can ride down the road near a good restaurant you just, just finished eating just finished eating full just rubbing your belly Time I can't eat anything else and your window's cracked and the smell of that steak rolls in the window and you go oh lord I could eat that right now I could eat that that right now, because it smells so good. God said, you know, to those who are hungering, you smell good. Now, to those who don't, you're a stench to them because they are in darkness and in death, and you just show them their darkness and their death. So to them, you're repulsive. Jesus was the same way. But what's so beautiful is he said, you're a fragrant offering to me. And it's that free will offering that's fragrant to me. When you go, God, here's my life. I give it to you, not because I'm trying to please you, because you're pleased with your son. And everywhere I go, I smell like him. But God, I get to be Jesus to the people around me. And that looks differently. So we're not this little machine that says the same thing every time somebody pushes our button. What we are is a fragrant offering to him. And when we have opportunity, we hear his voice. And we go, hmm, okay, I'll say this. And they go, wow, why did you say that? Well, that's just what dad said. I'm just telling you what my dad said. Because he loves you. He's crazy in love with you. Amen. Man, he loves us so very
1: much. I'm you'll make something beautiful out of me. And I give Trusting that you'll make make something